You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. I love the refrain in that video where it just says, tell me your story, show me your wounds. I'll show you what love looks like when love looks at you. Hand me the pieces broken and bruised. I'll show you what love sees when love sees you. That's just an awesome video. And again, it's just a great reminder of who I want to talk about uh, today. Because Jesus Christ came to show us what love looks like in action. In the fullness of time, at the wisest, rightest point in history, God just completely overflowed and fully revealed the delight of all delights, his son, Jesus Christ. Before I get into that this morning, I want to just let you know a friend of ours here, a tender uh, here, Jim Hallman, uh, passed away yesterday. Uh, The family will be having a funeral here on Wednesday, and with most funerals, uh, again, it just gives us as a body, as a community, again, just a great opportunity uh, to show people, again, uh, the love of Christ. Um, So we're going to be obviously looking for help with donation of foods. We're going to be needing people that can maybe help set up, serve, clean up. Um, So if you've got some time this coming Wednesday, the funeral's going to be at 1030. Uh, We would love to just put you to work. Um, Again, if you've ever been on the receiving end of that, if you've ever had a loved one and we've done a funeral here with the luncheon, um, I hope you uh, realized how special uh, the church made you feel. The, the church really went out of its way to make that a wonderful time for the family. We strive to do that with every family uh, that has a funeral here at Praise. And so if you're able to help us in any way this morning, I know Joquin is here. Where are you, Joquin? Right there. Uh, so if you're able to help in any way this morning, uh, just see Joquin. We'll try to get something up on the email where we can uh, get uh, donations for uh, food and, and all of that. So again, just uh, a great opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus this week. So if you're able to do that, um, we'd, love to, we'd love to have you help us on that. We've been working our way through a series this summer, and we've been kind of calling it We Believe. And we've really been looking at a variety of biblical and cultural issues, and we've been trying to look at them through what we call the lens of the Christian, the biblical worldview, and also looking at that through what we call the secular, uh, the non-Christian, maybe the postmodern, post uh, or the progressive uh, worldview. And again, the way that the uh, two worldviews look at, think about, and live out their beliefs. Again, if you're looking at this through a biblical lens, if you're looking at this through a secular lens, again, the way people look at those issues cannot be more radically different. Today's topic is no different. I want to talk about who is Jesus, because without a doubt, Jesus Christ is probably the most widely known person to have ever lived, and yet, at the same time, probably one of the least understood people, um, even among his own people. If you were to take a survey, and you were just to ask people on the, on the street today to describe Jesus, you would get descriptions that kind of range from, uh, he was just a man like any other man, he was a good man, he was a uh, a teacher, he was a moral leader, he was a higher angel. Uh, you know, Islam would say that.
that he was a great prophet. He was one of many gods. Others would say that maybe he's the highest evolved state of mankind. And as Jesus once said to Peter, and so says to us, who do you say that I am? What does the Bible have to say? What does Jesus have to say? We're going to look at that today. Very interestingly, I read a survey uh, this week that they have been doing among uh, people who are looking uh, at going back to churches, and they're kind of asking people, what are the things that you value? What are the things that you're looking for? And people that are really wanting to get back into the church, what they're looking for the most is they're looking for truth. They're, They're looking for good, solid, biblical teaching. And man, that's what we strive to do here every Sunday. And I don't want to do any less on this topic because there is no greater truth than Jesus Christ himself. Now again, to me, one of the fascinating things about Jesus is that while we do not read about him by name until we get to the New Testament, his coming, his mission is one of the first things we read about in the Old Testament. You may remember with the first sin of mankind, with Adam and Eve there in the Garden of Eden, with that sin, that separation from God, there also came alongside that this tremendous first promise of God. And God speaking to the serpent, he gives this promise in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and he says, he, and again referring to the Messiah, He will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Now that one seemingly kind of vague statement was the beginning of what God was going to do to redeem mankind from the grip of sin and death. And that plan involved sending his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And the remainder of the Old Testament was a record of everything God was doing to bring that plan into play. That preparation that God was doing upon the earth and upon and, and among his people, I mean, it was multifaceted. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning there in verse 1, shows one of the ways that God was uh, preparing his people for who and what was to come. And there we read, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his his son. Now, if you've got your Bibles, you might want to open to Hebrews chapter 1 because we're going to kind of focus on that quite a bit today. And what God was saying to us through the uh, prophets, it was important. It just wasn't complete. There was more God wanted and needed to say, more God wanted to reveal And now through his son, this message, this revelation of God has come fully, completely, and thoroughly communicated and revealed in his son, Jesus Christ. All that can be known about God. We we talk about this all the time. Everything you and I can know about God has to be revealed to us because we could never on our own, apart from God, come to that knowledge of who he is. That's one of the reasons the word of God is so vital and such an important part of who we are and what we do here. 
because it contains the revelation of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, among other things. You see, Jesus was more than just a prophet. In fact, Jesus was better than the prophets, and Jesus was greater than the prophets for this one reason. A prophet is God's messenger, but Jesus was God's Messiah. A prophet was God's spokesman, but Jesus, he is God's son. From the prophet, we will hear the voice of God, but in Jesus, we will see and hear the very person of God. I love John chapter 1 kind of opens and and again just saying to us at the right perfect and wisest time in history the word which was God became flesh and dwelt among us. The eternal son who was with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit from all eternity. Now try to wrap your minds around this. Takes on human Flesh becomes a man and becomes Jesus of Nazareth. What the prophets could only know and see in part, Jesus fully became and revealed when he took on human flesh. What only the Father could know and enjoy in became like us so we could know him and enjoy him as well. In the coming of Jesus of Nazareth, God comes to earth in human flesh. And again, one of those purposes is to fully reveal to us who the Father is. Jesus testified that he was the full revelation of God the Father and he was the redeemer of all mankind. Think about that. In one man, Jesus Christ, God summed up all things. That blows my mind. In one man, God fully sums up all things. God manifested his fullness in bodily form. In that one revelation, God becoming man, Jesus among us, God was able to finally and fully communicate what he was not able to communicate through all the Old Testament prophets combined. Now folks, if that is true, that is worth looking at and into. From that time forth, people of every generation have peered into this revelation. Jesus Christ. This one man who is fully God and fully man. And there are people who have maximized the human language in every attempt to describe this one man, Jesus Christ. Protestant theologian and church historian Philip Schaff once wrote this. He said, this Jesus of Nazareth, without money and arms, conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, Mohammed, and Napoleon. Without science and learning, he shed more light on things human and divine than all the philosophers and scholars combined. Without the eloquence of schools, he spoke such words of life as were never spoken before or since and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of order or poet. 
Without writing a single line, he set more pens in motion and furnished themes for more sermons, orations, discussion, learned volumes, works of art, and songs of praise than the whole army of great men of ancient and modern times. And that description even falls woefully, dreadfully short of capturing the person of Jesus Christ. That is why the early church and the apostolic churches forward have never, ever ceased to teach and to preach Jesus Christ because the truths concerning him were inexhaustible and yet necessary for salvation. In Acts 5.42, Luke tells us that the very first Christians, the very first church did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Folks, the day this church stops teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ, grab your kids, grab Grab your purse, run to the exits, and don't come back. That's the church's goal. It's our mission is to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. And any time the church ceases to do that, the church ceases to be the church. I've been in a lot of churches that have ceased to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And those churches are dying. A lot of them are dead. They may not know it, but they are. I think people that truly are searching for Jesus, they're not searching for shallowness in Jesus. I'm not. I'm looking for depth in Jesus. I'm looking for substance. Who is this man? In Acts 5, when Philip went down to Samaria, he preached Christ to them. In verse 35, when Philip climbed into the Ethiopian's chariot, it said he preached Jesus to him. The spark of salvation had just barely ignited a fire in Paul's heart. When we read in Acts 9.20, immediately Paul preached the Christ in the synagogues. Again, from the moment of God's final revelation to us in this God-man, Jesus of Nazareth, Christians and apostolic churches have never ceased teaching and preaching Jesus Christ because, folks, there is no greater, there is no deeper truth or revelation of God than that. God inspired the Scriptures, both the Old and the New Testament, So that Jesus might be shown and God sent the Holy Spirit, that spirit of truth, that one who guides you and I into all truth. And we're going to talk about that more fully next week. And he did all of that so that Jesus Christ would be revealed, that he would be known. Jesus said himself, concerning himself, in John 12, 32, he said, and I If I be lifted up, and there he's referring to his crucifixion. He said, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. 
The fact of the matter is, the more we lift up, the more we exalt, the more we make known the name of Jesus Christ, this revelation of God to us as we unveil and we look upon the beauty of Jesus Christ, the magnificence of him, the more we will be drawn to him and to the Father. In all human history, There has never, ever been, nor will there ever be a man like Jesus Christ. Jesus is different. He is distinct. He is distinguished from anyone who ever lived. And I'll tell you what, the more you know of him, the more there is to learn. And one of the joys of eternal life will be that just never-ending, that ever-unfolding revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? I mean, you are going to spend eternity getting one beautiful revelation after another of Jesus. For all eternity, we are going to get one magnificent revelation of Jesus after another, and it will never end. The good news this morning is that, you know what? You don't have to wait to get to heaven, to start partaking in that gazing upon the beauty, the magnificence of God's Son. Do you realize through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to partake in that now? So this morning, I want to just share a few things that to me make Jesus Christ no ordinary man. First, it's his predominant power. By that I mean the Lord Jesus Christ, he had unsurpassed, unequaled, unparalleled power and authority. We see that even in creation. If you've got your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 1 there in verse 2, one translation said, God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through his Son, he made the world. Now, do not miss the importance or the impact of that statement. Do you realize the Christ of the New Testament is the creator of the Old Testament? In Colossians 1.16, the apostle Paul says this. He says, for by him, and he's referring to Christ, all things. Now in the Greek, all things thinks just what you think it means, all things, everything. All things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, both visible and invisible, whether those are thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Now, if it could be made any plainer, John does it in his gospel, chapter 1, verse 3, and he says, all things were made through him, Christ, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In other words, what John's saying to us is he said, if anything is here, it is because Jesus created it. If he didn't create it, then it's not here. You know, sometimes I'm afraid we get the idea that the only thing, that the only person that was really involved in creation was God the Father. I remember when I first became a Christian, I just thought Jesus had his beginning. 
I I didn't think Jesus even existed until he was born there in Bethlehem. Again, prior to that, I didn't think Jesus existed. It was kind of just God on his own. So I was blown away when I learned that Jesus had eternally existed with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, that Jesus was in the beginning with God, just as John chapter 1 verse 2 says. The only thing the second member of the Trinity became in his birth was a human being. Prior to that, he already existed eternally as God. In perfect union with the Father and the Holy Spirit. That right there will tell you Jesus is no ordinary man. And again, we will spend eternity just plummeting the depths of that beautiful mystery. God became a man. That's why Christmas never gets old for me. Never. Just the beauty, the mystery of God becoming a man. I'll just sit and think on that for hours. That is the beauty, the impact of Christmas. Yet prior to becoming a human being, do you realize Jesus was the architect of creation? Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And again, that's where we might get that notion that, that God kind of acted independently on his own apart from God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. But did you know that that Hebrew word for God there in Genesis 1.1 is Elohim? And that word Elohim in the Hebrew is a plural noun and it refers to more than one. But what is also interesting that you may not know is that that plural noun is always followed by a singular verb. So by that, I mean when we speak of ourselves collectively in the plural, we would say we are. But God says we is. Okay, now it may be bad grammar, but I'm telling you what, that is tremendous theology. Because in the beginning... When God created the heavens and the earth, it was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit together in perfect harmony, perfect unity, perfect thought creating this entire universe. Do you realize it is because Jesus created all that exists that he had power and authority over this world when he was in the world? Think about this. We see Jesus had power over disaster in Matthew chapter 8. If you've never read Matthew chapter 8, we are going to in in a couple of weeks. You're going to. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a taste of something that's to come. In Matthew 8, we find Jesus with his disciples in the middle of this raging storm. He could speak to boisterous, raging seas, and simply by his word, peace, be still, and the sea would just lie calmly at his feet. 
We also know that Jesus had power and authority over demons. In one instance in Matthew 8, Jesus encounters two men who were demon-possessed. And as a result, these men were so violent that no one would dare go by them. And yet with one word, there in verse 32, Jesus said, go, and the demons fled. Jesus had power over disease. In every instance, Jesus encountered sickness and disease. He would bring relief, freedom, and healing. Again, in Matthew 8, verse 16, look what it says. When evening came, they, the crowds of people, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with a word and healed all. All who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Do you realize if you're here this morning with illness, sickness, disease, Jesus came to carry that away from you, to relieve you of that? 1 John 3.8 confirms it's the Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of of the devil. Sickness, disease, illness, the demonic. This is all the works of the devil. The Bible says Jesus came to destroy it. Not when we get to heaven to destroy it here, now, today, in your body, in your midst. Jesus had power over death. In John 11, we find the story of Jesus' friend Lazarus. You remember, he was raised after being in the tomb for four days. Jesus had power over depravity and sin. He could say to the worst sinner, your sins are forgiven. Only God could do that. Immediately when Jesus would say those words, your sins are forgiven, dark sins Those that were stained like scarlet would instantly become white as snow. Jesus had power over all of this and more because he created this world. And as its creator, he had all power and all authority over everything he created. And then he does the most amazing thing. He turns around in the giving of the Holy Spirit, and he gives this power and this authority to his body, to the church, and says, go and do greater works than these. Jesus also had the power of continuation. That is, the one who put this world together is now the one who holds this world together. I love it when I pick up newspapers or I hear stories about, you know, the world, you know, could do this. It could, you know, uh, we hear all global warming. I mean, when I was growing up, it was the ice age. I mean, there's just all of these fear things that are put out there. And we kind of just act as if it's all up to us. It's not. 
Now, I'm not saying we go out and, and we trash this world or that we, you know, litter and that we don't do all that we can do to leave this a better place. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying stop acting as if God created all of this and then just kind of walked away from it and now it's all on us. No, 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 no. The one who created this world is still the one who sustains this world today. And we just work in union with him. Jesus is, as Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 describes, one who sustains everything by the mighty power of his word or his command. He's still sustaining everything, every breath you and I are taking right now. It's because... Jesus is sustaining all that he has created. Paul says in Colossians 1.17, he, Jesus, existed before anything else, and he holds, not he held at one time and is no longer doing it, he holds in the present tense. He holds all things together. That word together comes from a root word that gives us our word synthesis, and it literally means to glue What Paul's saying there is he's saying, Jesus Christ, he is the glue of the galaxies. He is the one who brought this world together, and he is the one, folks, who's continuing to hold this world together despite what others may be out there doing to destroy it. And I want you to know that God is not too big or too busy to notice Or to care about the big and the little details in your life. And I want you to know what is true of this world. It is true of your life. Jesus is the only one who put your life together and can keep your life together. Only Jesus can take the pieces of your life no matter how broken, no matter how bruised they are. He is the one who put them all together and he can keep it all together for you in perfect peace. Second, what makes Jesus no ordinary man is his absolute perfection. Hebrews 1 verse 3 tells us the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. Now again, that language is very simple, but it is profoundly deep. Jesus is God and God is Jesus. They are distinct persons within the Trinity, but they are inseparable They are two of the three persons in the Godhead, but I want you to know they are one in essence, in unity, in thought, and in purpose. This is one of the strongest statements of the deity of Jesus Christ in all the word of God. There we are told that Jesus expresses the very character of God. That is, Jesus is the exact reproduction of God. Of God himself. Paul says in Colossians verse 15. He says he Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Now that word image. Is the Greek word that we get our word icon from. 
And what that means is it is a precise copy, an exact reproduction. Jesus Christ is the perfect, precise, exact copy of God himself, for he is God himself. It's the mystery, the beautiful, ever unfolding mystery of God that we have been invited to peer into. Now, the reason this is so important is that if it is true that Jesus is God, then that tells me he must have been sinless because God is perfect. Therefore, Jesus is God. Then he, too, must have been perfect. And let's be clear on this. Jesus was not God because he was sinless. He was sinless because he was God. How many of you, just by a show of hands in here, and I'll be the first to raise my hand, how many of you have ever said something you regretted the moment it came out of your mouth? Yeah, all of us. Ever made a statement that you had to go back and correct or clarify? Do you realize Jesus never withdrew or corrected any statement that he ever made Has it ever occurred to you that Jesus never once had to apologize to anyone for anything? Jesus never apologized for anything he did because he never made a mistake. He never apologized for anything he said because he never made a misstatement. He never apologized for anywhere he went or anything he did because he never made a misstep, never made a miscalculation. Not once do you ever read that Jesus confessed his sins even though he taught his disciples and teaches us to ask forgiveness He never once asked for forgiveness. Even on the cross, while he was dying, bearing the sins of the world, dying as a common criminal, he said these words, Father, forgive them. The reason why he never had to confess any sins is because he never had any sins to confess. Let me just kind of ask you a a, a trick question. What do you think Jesus' strong points were? The answer is he didn't have any. Because to have a strong point, you got to have a weak point. And Jesus never had any weak points. And the reason he never had any weak points is because he was perfect He was sinlessly perfect and perfectly sinless because he was God in human flesh. Do you remember one occasion in John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 1 John 1, 5 also says that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Do you realize that unlike water or even air, light is incorruptible? Think about that. Light is not susceptible to contamination or corruption or infection. It doesn't matter whether it's sunlight, moonlight, starlight, or lamplight. Light is always nothing but light. Light can come through a dirty window, but the light itself will still be clean. Light exposes the dust particles, but not one speck of dust gets onto the light. No matter which avenue light sweeps through, light always remains perfectly, wholly pure. 
That is also true of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he walked and lived in a sinful, dirty world, his feet never picked up the dirt of human sin. The last thing that makes Jesus Christ unique is his preeminent position. By that I mean Jesus uniquely holds a position no one has ever or will ever hold. In his power we see his dominance. In his perfection we see his dignity. But in his position we see his dominance. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 tells us that the Lord Jesus has been appointed heir of all things. As I said earlier, this world was not only made by Jesus Christ, it was made for Jesus. And Paul sums it up nicely in Romans 11, verse 36. He says, for of him being Christ and through Christ and to Christ are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Jesus holds the title deed to all the earth. It was made by him. It was made for him. It was made through him. And folks, one day it is going to be returned to him. That's why the Bible always speaks of stewardship, never ownership. That's why for the believer, everything you have in this life, it was given to you. It is on loan to you from the Lord Jesus Christ because he owns it all. And one day, it's all going to be returned to him. And part of the challenge in this life is learning to be good and faithful stewards of what God has given to us. So example, when you give to the poor, you're being a faithful, good steward of the resources God has given you you. If you are a Christian, you have reason to rejoice in the fact that Jesus is the heir of all things because Paul says in Romans 8, 17 that as children, as believers, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs or joint heirs with Jesus. That means when I receive the Lord Jesus, I receive everything he's going to get and he's going to inherit it all. One translation of Hebrews 1-2 says God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And I want you to take notice that once you and I become believers, once we profess faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, do you realize we become a part of that inheritance? That is deep. One day Jesus is coming back. And he is going to receive. He is going to inherit. He is going to take back everything and everyone that belongs to him. And that includes whosoever believes in him. Oh, glorious day. Hebrews 1.3 tells us that when the Lord Jesus cleansed us from our sins, it says he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Now that is an awesome thing because priests in the Old Testament never got to sit down. I get to sit down today. Do you know why the Old Testament priests never got to sit down? Because their job was never done. 
Once the sins of the people in the Old Testament, once that sacrifice had been made and the people were cleansed, they immediately started racking up more sins that would require another round of confession, repentance, and sacrifice. Of all the furniture they had in the tabernacle, there were no chairs because the work of making sacrifices on behalf of the sins of the people was never done. It had to be done over and over and over and over. But when Jesus died, he made the final complete and perfect sacrifice for every sin past present and future Jesus was the perfect priest because he offered the perfect sacrifice which was himself holy perfect because his sacrifice was perfect, it was also permanent, and it never needed to be repeated again. Hebrews 7 verse 26 says, he is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first, and then for the sins of the people, but Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for the people's sin. Hallelujah. That is beautiful truth. So after Jesus made purifications for our sin, the Bible said then he sat down at the right hand of God. And Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4 says, this shows, this proves that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. In other words, this shows that Jesus is no ordinary man. And when we get to teach and preach concerning him, and one of the beautiful things is, it will offer to us everything we need, not only in this life, but in the life to come. Do you realize that? Jesus has everything you're ever gonna need in this life and in the life to come and if I were to preach nothing else to you but Jesus every Sunday, that would be sufficient in and of itself. And Paul boldly states, and I'm going to close with this, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power, the dunamis, the dynamite of God for salvation. That word means uh, deliverance. It means wholeness. It means healing. It is the power of God for deliverance, for healing, for wholeness to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This church is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not ashamed to teach and to preach Jesus in this place, who he is, what he has done for us, because it is the message of power and salvation to every one of you who hear it, and we'll receive it. Amen? Amen? Let's stand together this morning. I invite the worship team to come back up on the platform. Father, I truly believe that this revelation, this mystery of your son Jesus Christ, God, there is no end to the depth, to the beauty, to the power, to the magnificence, to the gloriousness, to the beauty of who Jesus is. And God, I pray this morning 
that every one of us would position our hearts in such a way that God, you would begin, that God, you would continue to instill just again a hunger and a thirst to know more and more of that depth, that beauty, that magnificence of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would just begin to unleash in our hearts this morning just a greater burden, a greater desire that, God, we would just be open-hearted, that, God, we would be hungering for more of a revelation of your son, Jesus Christ, because, again, God, we know that that revelation We know that the beauty of that insight of who Jesus is, that God, it will free us. It will heal us. It will cleanse us. It will set us free. So Father, this morning, I ask, Lord, that you would just again unleash, release over each one of us a greater, a deeper revelation of who your son Jesus Christ is. Father, I pray that as we're in the word, God, as we're just again meditating on the word, God, I pray, Lord, that again you would just open that up to us. Again, those unsearchable riches of who your son is. God, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears to hear and to see the beauty of of who Jesus is. Father, I pray, Lord, that that would be the foundation upon which we would build our lives, that that would be the foundation upon what we would continue to build this church upon. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just keep our hearts perfectly attuned, perfectly in focus with that desire this morning. So, God, whatever you got to do, shift us. Bring us. Just allow us, Lord, to sit in that place, Lord, to look upon, to drink the mystery, the beauty, the profoundness, the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.